Welcome to the Striving Together podcast, a podcast for the Imago Day Church family to help us follow Jesus together in the grace of His gospel. My name is Shane Shaddix. I have the privilege of serving as the discipleship pastor here at IDC, and I am joined by Kent Bass and Denise O'Donohue, two uh, members of IDC and leaders uh, in many ways, but in particular uh, doing a, a lot of counseling ministry here at IDC, which ranges from uh, formal counseling to uh, discipling people and walking along alongside brothers and sisters to help them follow Christ in various ways. And so I've asked them to join me today for today's topic. First of all, let me just say uh, welcome. Thank you guys for taking the time today. Thanks for the invitation. Oh, thanks. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so our topic today is um, in this series that we're talking about in responding to my sin. So doing uh, several episodes in a row, we're thinking about what does it look like when we identify or when we come across sin in our lives? How, how is it that we should respond to that sin? And uh, last time, uh, Kent and I talked about ways that we can maybe identify and pinpoint uh, specific sins in our lives. And today, what I want us to do is I want us to dig a little bit underneath that. So I want us to kind of go to the next next step there, next level, and say, uh, let maybe somebody point something out in your life. We talked about that last time, is uh, the community can help us identify areas of our lives that are inconsistent with the gospel. Uh, so somebody points something out that's, that's coming out of our lives. Um, but we could stop there, but there's also value in digging in kind of the, the sin underneath the sin. So I want to stop there and maybe let one of you guys uh, give some definitions here and kind of tease out what, what do we mean when we're talking about the sin underneath the sin? Can, uh, help somebody understand why it's even necessary to dig underneath that. Yeah, good question. Uh, I think the thing that comes to mind for me is reasons. Okay. Why did you do the thing that you do? You know, so I think we're talking about motivations. We're talking about desires. Uh, helpful questions, then, you know, the why question is, right. becomes really helpful. So it's one thing if you, if you say to me, Hey, I was really hurt by the way that you ignored me. And I say, I'm sorry that I ignored you, but that might not actually help me like stop ignoring you in the future sure. if I'm ignoring you for some kind of reason. So it, 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 you know, if, if I'm jealous or envious of you, then I can recognize like, okay, I, my ignoring you was a product of my jealousy. Mm. I, I could try to stop ignoring you. But if I actually understand why I'm jealous or envious, then that might actually be more helpful in not ignoring you in the future. So. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Um, uh, Denise, uh, do you have maybe some off-the-cup uh, other examples to tack on? You talk about ignoring just something maybe as simple as that. But other examples or thoughts as far as w- ways that stopping short of digging underneath would would maybe leave us incomplete, especially when we're talking about power to change, right? So um, not just talking about for, you know, go through some process, but if someone is looking to actually grow in Christ, just identifying the surface is probably insufficient. Other other ways that you've seen it be insufficient to just identify the, 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 the surface level stuff. Yeah, I think one of the things that comes to my mind right away is uh, just discontentment in the heart Mm. and that can display itself in a lot of ways. Kent's already mentioned jealousy and envy. I think those are certainly some, and I think just, um, just a general overall demeanor Mm. of just being down or unhappy all the time or, um, yeah, just that discontentment trying to get at the root of that. What's going on there. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. Um, can't you mention the idea that, just identifying it might not help me avoid it in the future. Are there other reasons why um, basically even just thinking about the gospel itself, uh, if we stop short of getting under the, the reasons, the hearts, like what, what, 
what kind of project or uh, change effort are we on if we don't dig under the heart? Not only will it not work and not help, but like, how else is that kind of like inconsistent with the gospel itself? Uh, first thing that comes to mind is, you know, Jesus says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And so recognizing, I think Solomon says in the Proverbs, like, guard your heart, it's the wellspring of life. Mm-hmm. And so un- understanding the importance of God created us to have desires and to be motivated by certain things. And so unless if we're, if we're wanting to change, but we don't understand the core of who we are, uh, then any change is going to be insufficient or it's, it's not going to be lasting. Uh, you're going to replace one thing with, with something else, yeah. almost like playing spiritual whack-a-mole, you know, where it's like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to stop doing this one bad thing. Sure. Uh, but if I don't actually pull the mole out of the hole, mm-hmm. then he's going to keep popping up someplace else. So I can cover up a hole and that's yeah. fine, but I'll, I'll keep having problems in other areas because that, that root has not been found out and addressed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think of, uh, I think it's Romans six, uh, where Paul is exhorting us to live lives consistent with the gospel, but he talks about how we've become obedient from the heart. And there's a sense in which the gospel transformation that the Lord desires to see in us is not this behavior modification kind of just mm-hmm. surface level change, but it's actually this, this heart out uh, manifestation of faithfulness and godliness. And so if we're talking about responding to sin, it doesn't make sense just to be- change behaviors. Mm-hmm. It's, it's digging into to the heart. Yeah. David's confession, you, know, you, you don't, re- you don't uh, desire sacrifice or I would give it right. A, a broken heart and a contrite spirit. So yeah. even, even like the, the good things that we do on the surface, if they're not coming from a heart that is kind of rightly oriented and loves the Lord, yeah. uh, then, then God's not pleased with that. Yeah. But also there's no power there to maintain any kind of, any kind of lasting yeah. change. Yeah. Um, let's, let's go in that direction for a second. So we've kind of bounced around uh, a little bit, but what other passages of scripture do you guys find to be particularly helpful? Uh, in a second, I want to ask more like what practical questions can we just ask of our hearts? Um, but what pra- or passages of scripture do you guys have that really kind of shed light on this, this heart kind of this root fruit dynamic, right? The connection between our hearts and then what comes out of us. You mentioned Luke 6, uh, kind of out of the flow of the heart, uh, the mouth speaks. Other passages that kind of highlight the same principle? Yeah, I think um, James 1, 14 and 15 mm. is really helpful because it talks about uh, that sin begins with a desire. And so that in that desire comes from the heart. And so mm. I think that gives a good picture of how it starts with the desire. And then uh, James says, when it is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And then when it is fully grown, brings right. forth death. And so that is, to me, is a good picture of the progression and why we want to get to the root. Right, right. The, the, the sin starting, starting a desire and then just this evolution that happens that does actually manifest uh, at some point in some tangible way. But it's, exactly. it's starting there. Yeah. Other texts that come to mind for you? I mean, uh, honestly, the uh, Romans 6 passage is one that I, I go back to time, time and again. Mm. Uh, so that, that is uh, a place that I sp- I'll spend a lot of time with people. Uh, verse 12 let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. You know, don't, don't present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, present yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life um, and your members to God as instruments for, for righteousness. Uh, So he goes on later in that passage to talk about, you know, what, what fruit were you getting? Were you, were you, when you were enslaved to sin? And I think the point he's making is that that outward, that kind of surface level manifestation is ultimately a result of, 
what your heart is kind of bound mm-hmm. to. And when your heart was bound to sin, well, then this was the fruit. It's yep. a fruit that leads to death, he says. But when your heart is bound to Jesus, and that's the language he uses, one of slavery, yeah. you know, speaking in mm-hmm. human terms, yeah. right? But when your heart is bound to Jesus, then you get a fruit that leads leads to yeah. life. And so I think uh, that, that's a super helpful passage in understanding that relationship between what, we're, what we bind ourselves to, what we desire, good. and how we actually live. That's good. Um, just one of the one that comes to mind, you, you mentioned James one, but I think James four, four uh, yeah. is kind of the, it's, it's the continuing on of that, mm-hmm. right? Like what causes quarrels and passions uh, or quarrels and fights among you? Is it not the desires that are at war and waging war inside of you? You have, but you don't get, so you murder to, in order to get it. And it's, he's just kind of saying everything that's happening, even relationally between and among the brothers and sisters, it actually stems from wants, desires, needs, and, and, you know, we could list up fears and concerns and all that kind of stuff. So that's another one that just makes it very clear of like, don't just, don't just look at the, the fruit, but, but actually dig under, underneath that. So that one's a good word picture. I like that. Oh one. yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the metaphorical language there is, is, mm-hmm. is pretty great. Um, let's think about uh, practical helps here. Um, what are some good, maybe if you've got two, three, four, um, just, Go to questions that if in your own life, when you just see some sin manifest, right? Maybe you were just particularly angry with somebody and that that was sinful anger and you know it, but you're trying to dig underneath. What are the questions that you would you use for yourself or you would give to somebody to start to kind of query and dig into their own heart a little bit to try to figure out what the, the why question? Why did I do that? Yeah. Um, what are some great tools that you would put in, put in our toolboxes to, to dig underneath? I mean, the, that's the, honestly, that's the first question is why, why? you know, and so, so why, why did you yell? Because I was angry. Mm-hmm. Why were you angry? You know, and so I think mm-hmm. you can, you can take the why question pretty far. I think other ways to get at that would be to, to use kind of questions around the area of desires. You know, so what, what were you wanting? Mm. What was I wanting in that moment or the opposite? What was I not wanting? Mm. You know, so I think you can use kind of the want language. You can use the desire language. You can ask the why question. Um, I also think too, um, you know, we're talking about kind of heart sins and other language that would be idolatry. Um, you know, I think if we're talking about idolatry, then we're talking about putting our trust in something else instead of putting our trust in the Lord, you know, for, whether it's for peace, for comfort, for pleasure. And so I think trust and mm. and fear are really closely related to. Yeah. Uh, and so when you when you um, you know, when you're are, when you're fearful of something and you act in accordance of fear. Uh, what you're not doing is you're not trusting the Lord in that moment for whatever it is that you desire. So I think even using the language of fear, like, was there something you were afraid, afraid of? of, you know, where you responding out of a, of a fear that this thing would happen. And so in an effort to make sure that thing didn't happen, you spoke this way or acted this way. And so you, you can see how fear and trust are, are kind of oftentimes linked. And so I think any question using why any question around wants or desires, uh, questions involving kind of fear and trust can mm. be helpful ways to, to get at the root of that. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Denise, do you have any other other go to ideas there? Yeah, I think um, a couple of thoughts on that. Just when you're asking those why questions, because that's definitely the starting place. Mm. Uh, a follow up question might be: Does this? How does your action, the, the action that we're discussing, how does that align with loving God and loving your neighbor, and get them to examine it from that pers- perspective, or myself even, and then also um, talk about conviction because. For those of us that have the Holy Spirit, we know that that's one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit yeah. is so do I feel that conviction uh-huh. and or am I stifling it? Am I so bent mm. on this desire that I am stifling the work of the Holy Spirit there mm. and kind of 
challenge uh, the thoughts there on that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, what, let me uh, pick on, on one of those ideas you guys have talked about, the, the desire component. What if the answer to what I'm wanting is uh, something good? You know, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a parent. Uh, one, of, one of the things I want is my kids to obey, uh, to love the Lord, that kind of thing. And so what if, if part of the question answer to that, like, well, I want, this is what I'm wanting. I'm wanting my kids to obey. How, how would you, but for some reason in that want manifests in some kind, you know, again, lashing out in anger or something like that. How would you help somebody navigate when maybe the want that I want is in some ways consistent with what the Lord wants? How would you, what would some be uh, a question or two that you would use to dig in to know the connection between heart and, and kind of the sinful fruit. Yeah. I think, um, you, you take a godly desire and then you look at, was it pursued in a godly way? Mm. And so I think if, if something that starts as a good thing, you know, we can turn good things into, you know, God things or when desires become, I think it's this Ken Sandy's language when desires become demands, you know, okay. uh, I desire, but then I demand. And so w- when you want something on your terms in your way, uh, and, and one of the ways that we see that is, is how do we actually act to try to get that thing? You know, yeah. I, I want my kids to obey. Uh, was I patient with them? Right. Did I lead them to obedience? Uh, uh, did I try to force them into obedience? In that, in that way, uh, I'm, I'm probably making their obedience more about me than I'm making it about them learning uh-huh. how to obey the Lord. So if, if the end goal of that desire is that in some way, shape or form, I'm glorified, I'm satisfied, then yeah. I think that's a pretty good indication that uh, maybe it started as a desire for a good thing, uh-huh. but, but kind of the sinful demand kind of takes over and, and hijacks that desire yeah. and, and makes it more about you instead of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you can hear uh, elements of pride coming out in that dis- description there. It's like, I want my kids to behave because that makes me look like a good parent. Right. I mean, it is a good thing that your children behave. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But what is really motivating yeah. or I there. want them to respect me or something like that, right. which right. like could, I mean, yes, the Lord calls us to respect our parents, but also can really be a, about my own pride and, yeah. and insecurity or something. Um, yeah, I think that that there's a there's kind of a definitional issue here of if you want something, even if it's a good thing, but you were willing to sin against God mm-hmm. in order to pursue it, mm-hmm. your concern, uh, to your point, Denise, is not to love God in that moment. Like it, right. sinning against God and loving God just mutually exclusive. They yeah. cannot coexist. <laughs> and so somewhere in the chain of, you know, causal chain there it, between this des- good desire for a good thing and my actions is some kind of sinful, idolatrous intrusion because, and I, I elevated that thing over obeying the Lord in that moment and uh, pursuing his, his kingdom in some way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned Ken Sandy. Um, what other resources can we point some, some folks to just to say, if you want uh, some resources and to, to help you dig in a little bit more into your heart and kind of identify not just sinful fruit, but also the roots underneath that, what are some places you guys would direct people? Yeah. Uh, one of the most helpful things I ever read was an article by David Pallison called Idols of the Heart and Vanity Fair. So you can you can just Google search David Pallison Idols of the Heart and it will probably come up. Um, it's a uh, it's, it's a longer ish article. Uh, probably need to read it twice, but it's super helpful. Uh, yeah, b- very good. I was just smiling because that's kind of like. Palestine is you, you, <laughs> you asked me a counseling question. Yeah. Resources. The Where did first you get thing that? I'm probably going to say is Palestine. Yeah. Okay, so, that's yeah, good. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Uh, other places, Denise? Yeah, I have a, a couple of books that I would recommend. One of them is Respectable Sins okay. by Jerry Bridges. And then the other one would be Idols of the Heart by Elise Fitzpatrick. Mm. 
It's good. I think one more would be how people change by Trip and Lane would be another. Is that the one that has like the list of X-ray questions in it? I think that one does have those questions. Yeah. I think they, I think they actually borrowed those from Pallison. I think those were uh, <laughs> Pallison initially, and they, uh, uh, and they have, it all they goes have, back to Pallison. They footnoted him in, in that book, I believe. Okay. And so, but yeah, that that's a, a great a great list of questions to help us understand like yep. what's actually going on. So yep. that, yeah, you can actually probably even search X-ray questions, counseling, yep. or some version of that, and you'll you'll get a list, which is really helpful. Um, where I'd like to close out here is uh, maybe a, it's a concern I addressed in the opening to this series, but I think this is an area we want of particular uh, care with this is some people don't actually have a problem doing this in, in the sense that they, they gravitate towards this, dig into their heart. But what it becomes is this like, you ask the why question. You can always ask another why question. Uh, what, what guidelines or helps would you give to somebody who is prone to this kind of introspection on this? I'm digging in, I'm digging in, I'm digging in. And it never kind of, they never reach any kind of conclusion and or never reach anything that they feel like they can do something with like any, any encouragement or advice you would give to somebody so that we don't turn into just navel gazers who are beating ourselves up for how terrible we are in our hearts, but actually move on to what we're going to talk about in the next podcast, which is going to be actually applying the gospel to this. Um, does anything come to mind there? Just a guardrail against this unhealthy introspection? Oh yeah, the first thing that comes to mind. I, I mentioned this earlier in Psalm fifty-one, what David says. But uh, if the end result of that digging in, if at the bottom of that kind of pit or pool you find yourself, mm-hmm. I think you've done it wrong. Because at the at the end of that introspection is meant to be a deeper understanding and even longing for the good things of the Lord. And mm-hmm. and David even says, uh, you know, he he talks about like, don't hide your face, create in me a clean heart. He says, then I'll teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Um, deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. Uh, my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. Yeah. So David's end result is not just like, let me know the depths of my sin so that I can be so upset with myself or yeah. I, I can know myself perfectly. You could take that on the negative side. You could take it on the positive side. The, the end re- result for David is I want to glorify, praise and love the Lord and teach others to love him too. And so I think that's a, a maybe a helpful kind of consideration as we do that digging are we digging to find ourselves right. at the bottom of that pit or are we digging to find a greater understanding of, of the glories yeah. of, of God in the gospel? Yeah, that's really helpful. You ever run in, into that with, with folks, Denise? Um, yeah, and I think sometimes uh, it does a good job to ask the question of, are you bringing the Lord into this introspection? That's, that's really good. Are you just staring mm. at yourself? That's so good. Um, and I love um, what the psalmist says in Psalm 139. You know, search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Mm-hmm. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Bring the Lord yeah. into that yeah. um, to help you um, good. sort through that and see and then lead you out of it. You know, lead yeah. me out of it, yeah. uh, so to speak, or lead me in the everlasting way. So um, I think sometimes we just get stuck yeah. looking just at staring ourselves. staring at ourselves. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so good. Yeah, and it, it makes me think um, that we can we can begin to fall into this uh, this this uh, accidental place where we think that re- our the the legitimacy of our repentance or our confession is on us understanding perfectly our mm-hmm. sin, and we feel like well, if I can't understand it perfectly, then I can't truly repent, and and then at some point conviction and sorry uh, you know confession and repentance becomes this way to self-atone i've Mm -hmm. got to get to the root of it so that i can repent so that i can be cleansed ultimately losing sight of the lord Mm -hmm. and realizing he understands our sin perfectly and we're never actually perfectly going to be able to understand it 
but the gospel, like he, ge- he gives us grace even in our imperfect understanding, but he does reveal things to us. Yes. And when he reveals it to us, we can dig in a little bit. We can identify, we can pursue change. Um, but we, we also recognize our, our knowledge is, is limited. Um, and, but, um, uh, Psalm 103, uh, he knows our frame and he knows that we're mm-hmm. dust. Uh, mm-hmm. and so, uh, we're, we're going to imperfectly confess, uh, and yet the gospel is still for us. And that's what we're going to talk about next time. So thank you guys so much uh, for joining me today. And uh, IDC family, hope you have found this helpful. Hope you this uh, series has been helpful. And we will continue uh, next week uh, with uh, talking about what it looks like to apply the gospel once we've dug in a little bit to understand what's going on in our hearts. Thank you guys so much.